you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast with Greg Smith and Jay Foreman. Tell it to me straight up. Hello, and welcome in to the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, proudly part of the Hale Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith, your New Year, still the same me, friend. <laughs> I am Jay Foreman, your proud Buffalo Bill alumni, <laughs> AFC East champion. Finally, we we have dethroned the Patriots. Sorry, Sasha. <laughs> I always forget Sasha is a yeah. Patriots fan. Like I always forget. But she's that. a good one. She's not the Yeah, but that's probably why right, I actually right, forget yeah. all the time. <laughs> she's actually not awful about it. Um and I say that as somebody who is an awful Lakers fan, so I understand kind of where that comes from. So uh, so scale of one to ten, how happy were you about the Bills? Oh a twelve. A twelve. And uh you know, I really to be honest with you, when we drafted Josh Allen, I was kind of so-so because his completion percentage yeah. in college was like 55%. And historically, you don't become a better passer when you go to the best, you know, playing against the <laughs> right. best, you know, Sunday in and Sunday out. But he's done it. And uh, I will say this, the organization from, you know, ownership to GM to obviously to I think McDermott's a great coach and he fits Buffalo. You know, Rex Ryan was kind of – he was his, he served his purpose where he kind of brought a little pizzazz there, right. um, but I think they all kind of and they got you know a really good offensive coordinator, really good scheme. Um, they've traded well, and what they've really done, uh, what people don't understand is they kept really really good pieces at every single level, but then they've also had to let some really good players on defense right. go. Um, they've they've hit on their running backs that you know with Singletary. Um, then they went and got Diggs. And then they got, like, Jonathan Brown, who was kind of like a – you know, I wouldn't say he's a cheap free agent, but he was a bargain, you right. know. And um, you got a good – when you make this kind of jump, you have to have those kind of guys, right? And, and then they have panned out. And then Stephon Diggs has been huge. Um, they got two tight ends, kind of – you know, you got Knox that is good. And then uh, you got, I think, the big guy Miller, who's kind of like another offensive lineman. I mean, they got him listed at 250. You see him, man. He's 275. The TV is not doing him any. That guy is not 250. Right. <laughs> not doing, and then they got young guys on defense that are really, really good. So, um, But then also it takes uh, – you know, they made the playoffs last year um, and filled their diapers up, you know, in that game against my Texas. So it was two, you know, two of my Both teams. Both teams, yeah. Uh, and then the deal with the expectations is huge. Now, granted, yes, the Patriots are depleted. It kind of finally, after 20 years of having the best cap management, the best culture, obviously with the best quarterback of all time, the best coach, <laughs> the best coach of all time, and it finally kind of imploded this year. If the, right. in, you know, maybe it was COVID or whatever, but you know, it was just one of those things. And um, I do think it would be different if the Patriots had Tom Brady because that system up there is made for him. He right. makes the defense better. So it was time. Uh, and then as the season went on, there was more pressure for them to not only make the playoffs, but win the AFC East. And, um, you know, there's nothing better than the last game of the season and putting up 56 points on the Dolphins. <laughs> I mean, look, no fans or not. It's cold up there in Buffalo. Right. <laughs> uh, that, that's a foregone conclusion that the Bills were going to win. Right. So now each each week we kind of we've uh, we go through coach speak, right? Where we give you something that somebody said and, and we kind of tell you what they really meant. Coach speak to real talk. Now this week, I feel like we already knew know what this guy means. I just want to talk about it. Right. Steph Curry last night had one of those games that I feel like when you found out that Clay Thompson had you know hurt his knee again, was that the day of the draft? Maybe I think that was yeah, the morning of the, the draft. Morning it was of the horrible draft. timing for them that there's any good timing for those types of injuries. But you knew coming up through the season you were gonna have some nights where Steph Curry just goes off. Last night was one of those nights. He hit for sixty two points, four assists, five rebounds, eighteen of nineteen from the free throw line, eight to eight for sixteen from three point. 
He had a great game. Now, it's funny, and it it comes up even more because these last few days, because of what's been happening with the Warriors team, and they haven't been that great. I think they're 3-3 and right now. There have been a lot of chatter about Steph Curry and how he's not the same and, you know, he's not that guy. And so what Steph said after this game was, basically he said, insert that Jordan meme of the one from the Last Dance documentary where he said, I took that personally. Right. Steph took it personally. But my question really is, I know what he meant, but my question and what I really want to talk about is, is why it is, though, that people are so quick to kind of cast Steph Curry off to the side or not give him as much credit as maybe you would think given his accomplishments? Well, I think there's two things. One, it's his personality. Um, he's not overly outlandish. You, you know what I'm saying? He's not – I mean, he does interviews, but he's more corporate. I mean, when you watched him – if you watched him even in that golf match, he really mm-hmm. didn't say much, right? There's not a lot of pizzazz with Steph Curry, except for when he's on the court. When Yeah, when he's, when, on, the when court, he's on the court, he talks a lot. Yeah. He, does, it, he doesn't talk, but he does the shimmy. He does yeah. the – he shoots it and then looks at the bench and runs. I mean, he <laughs> right. does some stuff that that that's you know more marketable and and, and more uh, with more swag. But it's just the way he looks. Look, he, uh, Steph Curry. I mean, I've met him before. He's you know I'm six two. He's six three. So he's he's like an almost everyday person walking around. Right. Right. So he's not somebody. He's not like Kevin Durant or anything like Le- that. Like LeBron. And, when LeBron. You see him. Yeah. Um. That also, <clears throat> I think it hurts him. Um, and plus, up to this point, he's always been thought of as a one-trick pony, and the Warriors weren't very good last year. They didn't even make the bubble, um, and then they didn't start out good. And who who's who can you blame? Who's the guy that you're going to blame? It has to be. It has him. to be Steph Curry, yeah. right? He's kind of like the last of the of the guys left there because Draymond had been hurt, right. and then they had young Wiseman. He's just a rookie. Um, and then Wiggins, you know, he was a, he, he is what he, he is. He is what he is. I don't even know why they even gave him a contract. I'm sure they're trying to get rid of him. But then here's also what hurt him. They won one championship with their, their main three, Draymond, Clay, Steph, right? And then they had, you know, they had Iguodala. They had Livingston. I mean, they had probably, they're a, a they, really they, good team they had overall. The, yeah. Right. They had Iguodala might be a Hall of Famer. Livingston, if he didn't get hurt, probably would have. And he's always been productive. And then they had a, a whole bunch of other guys. So they had the best team in the league. Mm-hmm. Then they go out and get Kevin Durant and win two championships and then lose the third, right? Mm-hmm. So that really, they it's like you had three, uh, I wouldn't even say Clay, but you just had two mega stars and they both like picked at each other, right? Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant was thought of as a lesser uh, superstar because you went to the team that beat you right. when you were up 3 1. And right? Andy were, had a bad game. And he had a bad one of those, game. Was it seven? It was, game it, seven. So Derek he had a, would kill me when I remember seven or six where he was just get, awful right. in that game. Yeah. But then you go to the Warriors to win a championship and you got to get with a team that just had won 73 games or yep. whatever, right? So then that's against Kevin Durant. Then it takes away from Steph Curry because mm-hmm. they just lost to LeBron up 3 1. And the only way that you can beat LeBron is go out and get. The next thing right. closest to LeBron, right? Right, and so then you do it, then it all breaks up, right? And it was kind of a weird how Kevin Durant left, right? He went and signed with Brooklyn, and then sent a, a text to, to uh, Steph Curry. No, Steph Curry came back from overseas. Yeah, yeah, he came back right? from vacation to try to get him to vacation stay. and met there in Brooklyn. Probably already signed a contract, but <laughs> right. just gave him like the or at least hey, gave the, him the verbal that verbal, he was coming. Right. You know? So you know, so then they start picking at each other, and you and and then now when you are, it, see, it's so different for what people. This is what people don't understand about LeBron. This is not about LeBron. It's about Steph Curry. But when you are that guy, everybody's trying to find reasons to just to cast you off. Just a year ago, before this championship, they were saying LeBron was the third or fourth play, best player in the league. Right, or that fourth he, player. He it was, was it was KD, Giannis. Uh, Kawhi and Kawhi, yeah. then LeBron. Then it was always like, okay, we'll give him whoever. The the, yeah, and then somebody else, the flavor somebody of the else, month Paul has come. Like maybe right. James Harden right. has made James this Harden, run. Right, like he only went to LA to make movies. Yeah, right, yeah. LeBron thing. just yeah. was there. He's trying to get in politics. Only wants yeah. to make movies and all this other stuff. Right, yeah. he's got you know he's making Space Jam or whatever it yeah. is too, and he's he's not focused. Right now, LeBron is unquestioned best player in the league. Now you're looking at Steph Curry, whereas even. Well, Clay's hurt, right? So that's his, I mean, they were Batman and Robin. Those two right. together are dangerous. Draymond's been hurt, and he's kind of like their mouthpiece, right? He's like yeah, the yeah. protector. 
of all. And you have to have that guy. Teams like that generally do have that kind of enforcer, that guy that does the dirty work. And that that piece is very valuable within that team. It wouldn't be the same if he left. but In In that that team, team, he is so important because – he protects them from a physicality standpoint. He brings that edge from, you know, Michigan State and where he's from. But then also the way he plays, because that's what makes Draymond really, really good. But then he also does stuff during the game that takes away from any negative um, game or any way that you can look at Steph because you're so focused on Draymond Green. Right. Getting technicals, always arguing every single call, right. right? He's taken away from that stuff because when on Sports Center you're going to see that's what they're going to they're, they're going to show Draymond Green and all that stuff. So it's right. taken away. Now you only got Steph Curry, and you got Andrew Wiggins who don't even deserve to be out there. He's almost on Kyle Kuzma alert. Oh, see, and then <laughs> then you got Wiseman. So he's the only guy now. He's having to do something that he's actually Steph Curry's never had to do this before, right? Because him and Clay were kind of like a package deal. So you, mm-hmm. yeah, they with, all came up together, they, they right? The, together. the rise of one of them happened at the same time right. as the other, and right? they weren't that good yet. So now they are. The Warriors are just two or three years removed from being in the spotlight. Man, and it happened like that. Like, it happened so fast. And you're expecting it. Remember, in all off-seasons, they said, we're not done yet, right? Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you can't – Clay got hurt. So now this is the first time in Steph Curry's career that he is the guy that's taking all the – obviously positive, but it's going to be more negative. And also – now, if they were – instead of three and three, if they were four and two, five and one, it would be a totally different narrative. Yeah, because they, then it would be, oh, he okay, he might be able to do this. Do but it. I actually think that that's where the LeBron James comparison really kind of takes hold and makes a lot of sense for this. Right. I'm glad you brought it up because a lot of things that you also hear about the, okay, Steph might have pretty good numbers just on the surface. And he had a great game last night, but he might have pretty good numbers. But his team is losing. But if you go and look at some of those early teams, especially in Cleveland that oh. LeBron was on and he was dragging to the finals, finals, you're like, wait a second, maybe he's not that guy. And it's always been – and sometimes this happens, and it's not necessarily completely fair, but in sports you have guys that are just kind of linked with each other. Right. And for better or worse for Steph Curry, in this case it's worse, he's linked with LeBron in a lot of ways yeah. just because there was a time period um, a couple of years ago where Steph was so good every night that people were saying a lot of especially basketball writers like the analytics were saying hey this guy's just as good as LeBron maybe Steph Curry's the best guy meanwhile LeBron's like no he had to put together a super team to be able to beat me right Right. and you can kind of understand where that comes from but I also think that there's also something to it never seems like the players in the NBA fully embraced Steph Curry and respected him as being that guy. And remember, was it the year that he won unanimous MVP and then they had that players vote for MVP and he didn't win it? Right. Like, it's, it's, like there's something there with the players. And I, I wonder kind of when you were saying about, you know, about him shimmying on the court and that right. sort of thing, I wonder if that's part of it. It's part of it. But, but at the same time, there's other guys that showboat right. too, but they just don't like that guy. No, because, <laughs> I mean, because at the end of the day, he just, I mean, they, they look, they're looking at him. And I think, obviously, I think his game is more than just doing one thing, but that's all really what he what he was doing it was just yeah bombing hit, threes on people now, he, now if you get inside of it like the he, way that he influences a defense is, is is very impactful it helps a lot when you got a guy that can basically do the same thing and clay thompson too right, right? so then, then you have draymond when draymond was draymond and he was healthy and out right. there like that's why it all worked together so well but i do I, I do think that guys look at him as a little bit of a one-trick pony even if that one trick is as good as anybody as we've ever seen yeah, as a shooter the best shooter i of still I still think that people, yeah. a, a lot of people look at him that way. Yeah, and then also that was back when he was getting exposed on defense. And yes. you got to think Kyrie Irving, at, Just. Even, even, in the, even in the finals before when Kyrie got hurt, mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving was doing work on him, yeah. right? And then when they come back the next year, he put a cement at Kyrie Irving put work. Right. So then the, the, then the narrative also was out there, you only can shoot threes and you're not playing D. Right, right, and and you all and you also heard it in the comparison between Steph Curry and Clay was Clay is just as good a shooter because he's not the volume shooter, right? right? So if Steph Curry shoots twenty shots, here's what I mean: he shoots twenty shots. Clay generally would get twelve to fourteen, but Clay is also Ding up on the best guy, right? He's and, having and, to take that mantle up because Steph is not able to do right it. do it, and so those are a lot of the things that are going against them. And then also let's, let's be honest. If you don't have people like, I guess, quote unquote, hating on you, then you're not doing something right. So there are, you know, Steph Curry, as he was coming up, was the, the, the golden child. They, you know, talked about him at Davidson and, you know, Del Curry. Yeah, they got a great that, story. Right. Yeah. And as it came up, <laughs> yeah. then he hit his, he hit his peak. 
of you know notoriety and positive notoriety, right? Then they lose, and then you bring in Kevin Durant, and then you go on a all of a sudden they were the villain, villain, like, right? Yeah, and then boom, all right, you're the only dude out there. It it, it was like kind of like the perfect storm for a negative outcome for Steph Curry. Clay gets hurt, Draymond's banged up, he's not hurt, or Clay gets injured, Draymond's hurt. You bring in a whole bunch of well, you bring in a rookie that's raw. You got to think James Weissman. I think that you're saying that he didn't start playing basketball until like ninth grade or something. Yeah, and he didn't last year. He didn't. He play only it played all like what eight games, flat, right? Very yeah. little so, experience. Or, yeah. So then he has very little experience, but he's very very raw, and he's going to be. He's I think gonna he's going to be pretty good though. He's I be think really he's good. I think he's a good player. But then you think you had remember they had D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. Okay, he's into the Timberwolves now, and then you brought in in Wiggins, and those two haven't worked out. So you're actually he's out there actually playing, and then. A whole cast of rookies. Yeah, because all of a sudden they went from when we were talking about those championship years of all the depth that they had, yeah. and it just felt like they were just bringing guy after Andrew guy off Bogut, the bench. Yeah, mean, all of those had, guys, yeah. and then all of a sudden that's all gone, right? All gone. And they were not able to kind of retool around those shooters and around well, Clay and stuff because the cap. and then it becomes now. And see, that was the other thing that also when you really think about how the Warriors dynasty even happened, part of it all goes back to Steph. It goes back to him being injured early in his career remember he was still on i think it was a four-year 44 million dollar contract or something like that when they won that first one yeah right because he didn't get the super max whatever until in deep into that run right so their salary cap was a lot better to be able to have all those guys and and he had been hurt because remember he had had bad bad angle Mm -hmm. ankles and all the running that he does in order to get open they were like man he he might his career might not Mm -hmm. go past you know five or six years now he's i think he's you know remedied that um, you know, through his all season training and stuff like that. But so I think that it's just one of those things. And look, the Warriors start winning, they make the playoffs, and if they start getting some big victories, then you start, oh man, that's the great leadership of Steph Curry. Yeah, then that'll be the thing. He's, now that's a, it's a great opportunity it for is. him, though. Like it really is. And he knows. I yeah. mean, he's been there. I mean, he's yeah. growing up in the business. And uh, at the end, and it's the funny thing now is the same writers, both locally and nationally, that have, that wrote all their articles about. Him and Clay coming up, him and Dell coming up, and how he, you know, is obviously made himself into a Hall of Famer. Are the same ones writing articles like he can't play anymore, and the only thing he can <laughs> right. do is shoot threes. And right. then, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure he's seen some of the rankings. He starts 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 seeing some stuff about, you know, other players. You know, him slipping out of the top ten. Right. Well, then he had to let you know he still got it. That's and that's what he did. That's what he did. That's what he did last night. And there's going to be more games oh. like this because he is one of those players. Though when it gets going, you can't like there's just nothing, nothing that you, you can, can do. do. I think James Wiseman actually said after the game too that he was like, "Man, it was it was weird being out there and being a part of all of this because this is what I used to do with Steph on 2K. Like I would go out there and put up 60 on people right. where I just couldn't miss threes and actually see it in real life for right. Wiseman was pretty cool. Um, so it'll be yeah, it'll be fun to track. There'll be a fun storyline regardless. I hope they. I hope they. I hope they make a good playoff run um it's gonna be tough it's that, gonna be it's tough. Gonna, that west, west is, is just tough. it's just so hard i mean you gotta think the they, they beat portland and portland's got probably one of the if not the best two guards backcourts in the league mm. uh, you got to get through them right and and here's the funny thing in the, in the beginning of the nba season and this is just coming off the bubble and you gotta think teams like the warriors didn't have a true offseason where they get like 12 practices or something right. the nba kind of threw them like an extra you know like a little yeah they got to do a little leg, something which like i didn't little, even realize i looked up one day yeah. and it was like oh the warriors are the practicing, warriors are practicing. <laughs> and they were just you know getting together to see who would put on some bad corona weight you know right. covid weight so as the season goes on you're going to see it start to shape out and uh you know as draymond comes back and they start to form their team i think they'll be able to make a little noise i think that if they had clay and they can find a way to to move Wiggins and then bring in somebody to be like that third option yeah. or fourth if when Dray- Draymond's around, they would be a dangerous team because I think we- Wiseman it causes problems underneath the hoop. Yeah, he's so athletic. And I think that they are, I think, a key to their future going forward. They're going to have to find a way to move Wiggins because he's getting paid way too much to be that unproductive. Right. To where you are always going to be salary cap strapped with that team because you have him, but who's not producing. But you also have Steph on a max, but you also have Clay on a max, and Draymond is up there. He's not on a full max, max, but you know he's going to want one. He he want to go to the Lakers. I mean, no, you keep him away. Him and LeBron, they boys now. No, it's yeah. good. Is he but, clutch? Is is yeah, he clutch? clutch? Yeah. Oh, he no, I don't need that. I don't but need. He's not be washed, man. I don't. They need, need to call up Michael Jordan at the Hornets or down there to Orlando and get Wiggins up out of there. 
<laughs> just send them somewhere. Well, that's where you want. It used to be like the uh, Vancouver Grizzlies. You could send them. To, you could send them to, to because Memphis. it's always those teams. Those teams like Memphis before, even though they're going to come up a little bit now with John Moran, even though he got hurt. Um, but like teams like Orlando that like in the East kind of make the playoffs, right. but are not really always all that good. Eight, yeah. But they always got cap space because they don't have wants good to play players. There. Right. Yeah. Nobody you, wants those to play are the there. Trade and all their good players go somewhere else and play. Right. So, so it'll be yeah. We'll we'll see what kind of happens there. But I was something else. I wanted to get to um, that happened over the weekend. Let's break that down. So uh, you know this. My mother-in-law was in town uh, the last couple of weeks, and we watched a lot of football. She watches a lot of football from down there in SEC country. She's from Mississippi, and Mississippi State is her team, right? And so we watched, <laughs> see, we watched this Mississippi State-Tulsa game, which I actually had – I was joking with her afterwards that nobody was going to remember who won that game because of the fight afterwards, and I actually just had to look it up to remember who won. It was Mississippi State. Right. They did win the game uh, 28-26 in a pretty good game uh, between them and Tulsa. Um, um, but nobody's going to remember the actual game. You remember the fight, and by now you've seen all of the footage right. afterwards. And was it number was it number four from yeah. Mississippi State that yeah. kicked old boy on the sideline and then made a run for it? I, I don't. I'm not sure where to start. It. Then hold on. Then after the game, those guys jumped on Instagram Live and were like joking about it. Like the Mississippi right. State players were in the locker room after the game, like kind of having a good time, hooting and hollering about it. And I'm trying to figure out why, in a game that you're playing against Tulsa, who you're probably never going to play again, how we get to the point where you have this all-out brawl and melee right. after the game, to which now that's all anybody is talking about right. with that game. Well, I mean, I think if if that is if there's ever a snapshot picture into Mike Leach into the SEC this year, that's it. How he started the, the beginning of the year, you know, lighting up LSU, kind of mm-hmm. bursting on the scene with a quarterback that didn't get any offseason. Right. And what they threw for like 500 yards against Bo Pelini's defense and, you know, X, Y, and Z. He was taking the SEC by storm. Yeah, that was he, that whole right, thing all whole week. Thing that was the what first it was. Two weeks, yeah. And they went on late an egg and then reality set in. Then they go to a bowl game. But also, here's what you, you didn't mention. Prior to the game, mm-hmm. Mississippi State comes out there with their shirts off. And meeting at Tulsa at, uh, you know, the middle of the field. And they get into it there. Now, here's one thing. Look, you can come out there with your shirt off. But the brothers I've seen coming out there with their shirt off, they need to keep them on. Okay? <laughs> it wasn't. It was the linemen. It was the linemen, people, and people they were, with the numbers in the 70s. The best, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the best look. And, you know, one thing I will say about Tulsa, um, that, the, that the coach, they t- you know, when you hear a coach talk about family and protecting your, you know, brother and all that other stuff, they weren't going to back down. Right? Right. And those are Oklahoma kids, so they tough. And, you know, whether they were talking junk, you know, through social media or what I really think is Mississippi State thought they were going to come out there and intimidate Tulsa. Mm -hmm. It didn't happen. The game was chippy from the first play to the end. It was a tight game. Mississippi ended up pulling it. It adds to it. And then, you know, you get into it after the game. One thing said to another. And and here's the funny part. The guy that didn't even play because he was in just had his jersey on. Mm -hmm. Is the first one that threw a punch. Yeah, it was a couple guys. It was one that threw the punch um, that didn't play. It was another guy that didn't play that was hitting people with a towel. Hit the people with a towel. (laughs) It was all sorts of stuff going on. That's going to be one of those things, though, when they kind of go back. Because Mike Leach said after the game that, you know, he hadn't seen the play, but it was football, like that sort of thing, right? Um, I got to believe that once he actually saw the footage of that, and I haven't seen a statement from him yet. Yeah. As recorded yeah, he, probably, morning, he probably ain't going to make I, Yeah, I think he should just try to avoid it if I'm him. Um, but we're going to have to have a, a couple conversations with some guys on that oh, team about yeah, some of the you, stuff you, that happened. You, on, that uh, you just went from full ice fishing mode as far as you have thick ice. Now you're on thin ice. And here's the, here's the, worst, here's the worst look for Mike Leach. He's up in the stands taking selfies with, with the few fans that are there at the bowl game. And how do you not see in your pre- – because they showed the, the, the view where you could see the fight and see him taking pictures with the fans. How mm. in your peripheral vision not see the melee going on on the field? Right. You know what I'm saying? In You know, it, it's the weirdest thing ever that, you know, you would think that he would try to run on the field, get guys to stop, or, you know, he probably doesn't want to end up like Jeff Van Gundy when he got dragged by what uh, Patrick Hewing and when they had the fight when the Knicks and all them. But it's – um. It wasn't a good look for the bowl game. It wasn't a good look for Mississippi State. 
Um, it wasn't a good look for for Mike Leach um, because at the end of the day, anytime you can win a bowl game during the, you know COVID and the pandemic, it's a great thing for your football team. Right. And you know you want to go in the off season, you know with a you know with a victory or with positive momentum. But all you saw. And all you will see it's every, is It's the only fight. thing I've seen on, on that. And it's funny even talking to my mother-in-law after it happened. She was like, she looking on Facebook to see her friends talking. And all they were doing was talking about the fight. Then it made it for them specifically, made it worse that Ole Miss then went out and won their bowl game. Um, so when your rival goes out and wins, um, it's just interesting. Like the whole thing with Mike Leach, and you right. said like it kind of just kind of summed up all the stuff with them. Like that is such a, to me, weird marriage between a coach and a right. school that I still don't think that that's going to go well. Um, no, and, and it's, it, it's but because it, it's also hard. It's a hard situation to win in. I think people really took for granted what Dan Mullen did down yeah. there. Um, now he actually cashed out and, and took a, an even better job um, in Florida, and he gets his due within coaching circles. But I don't think that people generally understand how hard, hard it, it is to do what Dan Mullen did, winning eight nine games consistently at Mississippi State. Like that's a tough place to win. Like yeah, that. it is. It's uh. It's more than the little brother to Ole Miss because Ole Miss is the little brother to everybody else in the SEC. Right. So right. you're like the stepbrother or whatever, or the one that uh, you know nobody wants to talk about, you know. And so, and you're not as cool because you're, you're not, not as, cool. as cool as Ole Miss. You don't have that same tradition, it, and but, you don't have the alumni. You don't have hmm. the cool uniforms. I mean, the uniforms are like a well, dark that maroon, maroon, and, maroon, kind of, yeah, and, and, and you can't never really tell what it is, and you don't have any type of like you know, throwback or alternate uniforms. Then the uh, players in your state, like there are good players in Mississippi, but the best ones always, always go to LSU to, or Alabama. LSU, like, Alabama, so, or so Ole Miss. Tough. Or right. they go to Ole Miss, right. So it's it's just, it's it's a it's a hard place to, to win. It's a hard place to coach. It's a hard place to win consistently. And then you bring in somebody like Mike Leach. Who right? is culturally the exact, exact opposite, opposite of, of what you need. Of what they had and what just th- what those folks just identify with. Like, it's just totally different. Right. And, I, and maybe, you know, sometimes as an AD, you have to take a shot in the dark. And you'd probably figure, like, he would score enough points and be exciting. And maybe yeah. they're thinking, like, hey, look, if we're not going to win – SEC titles or be in contention, but we, what we want to do is be marketable and, I guess, cool and have a kind of a quirky coach. That's great. Yeah. But you can't yeah. have a quirky coach with undisciplined players and then you embarrass your university and football team right. on national TV when that was the only game on at that point in time. And so there's, there's not only going to be um, conversations between the coaches and the players, there's going to be – there's got to be – conversations between administration and Mike Leach like oh, you have got to do more than just this you have and here's and if he was just there and he tried to get in it and try to stop it that's one thing you're up in the stands you're kind of like Dwayne Haskins when you was <laughs> when he was taking selfies and the game was wasn't right. even over you're up there taking selfies with with fans and there's a full, this isn't just like a a pushing match. No, it was it's not. That was a full on brawl in brawl. multiple spots. People one guy had punches. a concussion. Yeah, from L- from from Tulsa. So it's it's it was not a good look. Uh, and plus, now that you know the funny the, the worst part is is that the different guys that were highlighted on. You know, on the highlights, they know your name. They, yeah, they, 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 it was. I mean, within within ten minutes, minutes. everybody had mm-hmm. seen all of those clips. You look on social media; that's all people were yeah. talking about. Everybody saw the video. People can slow it down and yep. look and pick. Like it's different than like if that fight happens. 15 years ago, maybe it takes a while or it takes the SEC and Mississippi State to review the tape to figure out right. and you could maybe internally discipline some guy. That it no. <laughs> was people now are I was judging, about to say 2020, people, 2021. 20, yeah, like that's not going to happen. Yeah, you people are judging and um, it, it's not a good look and it'd be interesting to see when or if something comes out. The only thing that saves them or saved them is the SEC championship was just played the you know um or not the SEC championship was just played the you know the first college football playoff yeah. game was played with two with, with Alabama in there and then also now you got the you know national championship game coming up and plus there was other bowl games going on so the, it, you know in Mississippi State to to Mike Leach's um defense I guess is off the beaten path yeah so, so it's can, only going to so, be it's so it's only going to be so yeah much. it's only going to rise to such a level right, right. it's only right because there were more, people are more worried about who's going to you know Take the Vanderbilt job is, you know, Pruitt going to stay at, at, at Tennessee. Right. Something happens there. 
that stuff gets sweeped out, swept yeah, over. Sark leaving, Sark leaving Alabama Texas, ten minutes yeah. after getting his hat on, on the stage, Man. which you probably knew before he even. Yeah, they had to have been talking it, to it him had to for, been a talking for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, and that's actually kind of where I want to pivot a little bit too. Is the, the college football playoff happened um, while we were gone as well? And I guess first, before we actually get into the games a little bit, like were you? A lot of people were talking about they weren't really into this year's college football playoffs because it feels like we keep since so not even feels like I was like, we keep seeing the same teams. Right, yeah. Like Alabama, Clemson for sure have been in, I think, almost every year. I think this is the last sixth year, time last year that was, Bama has been in the, yeah. the college football playoff championship and it's only been going for like maybe one more year than that. Clemson is always in it. Ohio State seems to always be in it. Um, Notre Dame pops up as they do Too to frequently. get blown out. Yeah. Um, so w- did you have the same level of interest in this that you normally would? No, because you knew what was going to happen in the Notre Dame game. Um, That's the one I didn't watch. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't I, watch it. I, I it just kind of saw it. Once I saw, like, I watched a you know, quarter or a half. I was like, this is – I'm just waiting for the game. And I was more interested in um, the Clemson-Ohio State game. So was I. I watched so, all because, of Because, you know, they've played some close games. You know, uh, one time Clemson beat them pretty bad. Um, you know, I think that Ohio State thought that they should have won last year. Mm-hmm. You know, and Justin Fields had to right a lot of wrong. There's a lot more drama around this game. Dabo – taking shots at the Big Ten and Ohio Ohio State uh, here recently, but then, at, you know, from the very beginning. Um, and, you know, let's be honest, people wanted to see Dabo and Clemson eat crow. Um, and we are in a in a. You were talking about we were talking about the Warriors earlier about how teams rise up and they're like the fun story, right? And then it happens at like the drop of a dime or a hat that that team then becomes the villain. That's happened with Clemson. Yeah, it did. And well, and it's it, and it's not any of the players doing. Nope, it's not. It's, it's really the, not. It's the head coach is doing. <laughs> right. It's the head coach is doing, and he's he, he's probably and I said he's good for three to four times a year saying some stuff. That is totally out of line and supposedly and really out of character for, I guess, a man of the Lord or whatever he, mm. you know, he says he is. And so um, it, it's one of the things he brought some drama to it. Um, and usually, I, though, usually when he says something, though, his players are able to then back him up on the field. Right. Because right. they've done a lot of winning <laughs> over right. the last um, run here that they've been on and that they were not able to this time in part because and this is why I didn't ever understand Dabo taking those shots at Ohio State, because even if you believe that you don't in the Big Ten, even if you don't believe it, you well, don't say, say it. it because you're about to play them. And I think I don't know if it was you or somebody else that I texted during that game. It was almost like Ohio State came to that and said, hey, man. We got five stars too, right? Like, yeah, we, like we are like, to play. Like, we have a bunch of dudes too. We have a really good coach as well. Um, it, we can play with you, like, and so like, it's well, almost we just like did last year, right? So it's almost like in, because um, Dabo had this earlier in the season. Remember when he talked about Florida State? Yeah, and how basically I almost said they avoided that game because of COVID. They use that as an excuse, right. but they didn't really have COVID problems. Like you can do that when you even if they have to play, they play Florida State again next year. They're gonna beat Florida State, right? right. It's not gonna matter. They don't matter how how mad the Seminoles get. Right. They don't have enough people to beat Clemson, right? Yeah. <laughs> even after Trevor Lawrence leaves, but Ohio State. They got some dudes. They got some dudes. And it's funny because yeah. I don't even think that Ohio State is, is as good totally as they were last year. No, I think they're even, better they're, last year. They're way better this last year. year. But the difference really is, and we saw it in this game, Justin Fields played lights out. Like, I yeah. feel like also it, it was another one of those games where sometimes you have those quarterback matchups where one quarterback feels disrespected because the other guy is the one getting all of the press clippings and everybody talks about how Trevor Lawrence is going to be that number one guy. Yeah. And Justin Fields, remember to talk to, awesome. like, oh, maybe he's going to slip behind right. uh, Wilson. Wilson from or, BYU. Yeah, and like, okay, sure, guy. And so he went out there and put oh, it he on. Lot, he had a lot to prove. He had a lot to prove that could he perform in a big game against a huge opponent mm-hmm. on a huge stage, considering how the game ended last year against Clemson with an interception, with a miscommunication between him and Olave. They were more than communicating. They were in sync, and they were taking yeah. Clemson on they the They basically free- did what they did to people all year. Oh, yeah, like him freeway, Olave. Olave um, and then you have Wilson. Then you got they got two freshmen in there. Then the tight ends were getting off. Um, you, you know, what Dabo's problem is this, is that, yeah, you can think it. You can even say it internally in your meetings and stuff like that. You never say it out loud because it comes off two ways. One, um, you come off as arrogant and as a chump. And being a, 
a national championship coach, you should know better, right? You've already right. won you've been, through, you've this been through this stuff. This like, before, I, right? like, why would you even need to do that, right? And then secondly, are you just saying that because you're scared to play him and you're trying to talk your way into a victory? <laughs> right, because he would have much more likely have played um, Texas A&M. He would like, like to play Texas, like to and, play and, Texas and, and yeah. when you kind of start adding up the things, was it, were you trying to get Texas A&M in there so you can have an easy victory and, and, and then get your shot against Alabama? Mm-hmm. Or were you scared to play Ohio State because you knew that they had some stuff that you were you were weak at, and what you saw saw throughout the year periodically that you weren't as good as in the back end on defense, right. and your linebackers were suspect on the second level as far as covering. Were, was did that worry you? And did you also know that you don't have that number one and number two receiver like you've always had, and because T Higgins is obviously with the Cincinnati Bengals. Right. Um, and so you knew that you had some holes in your team, and that's fine because you can't be the best, you know, year in and year out. So I think he was more or less trying to talk himself into um, an easier opponent, and it came back to bite him. Um, you know, I think Dabo over the years, and as you, you know, you get more success, you're going to have to get more confidence, and there's always that thin line between being confident and arrogant. I think he's – you know, he's teeter-tottering towards arrogant um, and ignorant because I always say when you're arrogant, you're confident with, and you're ignorant at the same mm-hmm. time versus being confident and have, being some sort of realistic type of person. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how um, Clemson moves forward from this um, as far as does, is it a little bit of a reality check because you're losing the best quarterback in the nation um, and the best running back in the nation. Yeah. Who I was surprised came back for this year. Right, why? Yeah, yeah, totally. I was right. like, I have no idea why he came back. And, um, <laughs> you know, maybe to win a national championship and play one more year and, you know, who knows. But at the end of the day, um, you know, now he has to really retool. Now they do have a quarterback that's legit. Okay, yeah, and, that dude is – That dude is for real. Yeah, he's for real. And they're going – and it's funny because Ohio State and Clemson are actually in similar situations where when they lose guys and guys end up being first, second, third-round picks in the NFL draft, you know that they got the guys coming behind them. Right, within um, a year or two. You could see them within a year or so. And that – but that's kind of – that little bit of gap, though, with Clemson actually is what got them because you, you mentioned the wide receivers and how they lost a couple of those guys. And then just those guys that they have that right now – out there, they're good, and you can tell that they're yeah, going to be good. good. Yeah. They're going to be but really they aren't good, good right? but they they're not, not quite there, there yeah. yet, especially and, and when you go be, against some of those guys at Ohio And State. they could be there next year. Um, right. 17 from Clemson is, looks like he's going to be the dude. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, look, Ohio State had too much firepower. Uh, you know, and Ohio State has their, you know, pimples on their skin too as far as, um, you know, their defense. I think they're, you know, Wade, you know, came into the season as a surefire first-round pick. He has played himself probably in a second, third round pick. He's playing bad. He, he, yeah, he, he didn't he, have a good game. He's going to have to run a phenomenal forty, um, you know, to to get back up the drafts. But look, they get to play Alabama for the national championship. They swing. The biggest thing that I'm going to be looking for is how Ohio State plays in this game. Can they get up and play another? Maybe not to the level that they played obviously against Clemson, but can they play offensively to a standard that they should be able to play with their talent? It's one, one. It's one. It's one way or one way to do it to to focus on. We get Clemson revenge tour, mm-hmm. payback. We're disrespected. Go out there and right the wrong. But now, can we take what we did to prepare prepare against Clemson, and also look at some of our negatives? Because because this is what happens. You gloss over it and think you can do. Yeah, the same when you thing. have a big win like that, you gloss can you get over back to reality, get back to work, and then double down on it and go out there and perform well against a, a team in Alabama that has been the best offense in the nation, the most consistent one uh, week in and week out. And you know that Alabama will be able to forget all. They won thirty-one fourteen. They dominated that game. You know that they've already forgotten that game and oh. they're ready to come play for this national championship. Yeah, they come That's with- the other thing that is it, that makes I think like an underrated thing that makes it difficult to play Alabama is that. They, you don't get a lot of times where you see them play and you're like, oh, they came out flat. Like, it no. just doesn't It just doesn't really happen. And so, you know, you could get, you know, national championship number 22 right. for Nick Saban, and they're going to be gonna ready, ready to go. To play. Right. right. And uh, so you, you got to go out and beat Alabama. Yeah, there's the, no and, looking and, and into you, that. And no. here's the thing is you got to go out there and beat them. In some cases, out coach them. And – you gotta, you, and you're not gonna out talent them. So the the hard thing about Alabama, what people don't understand, they're the, they're, they got the best coach, they got the best coaching staff, the best like foundation and culture, right? Because mm-hmm. Nick Saban even said it. Look, I'll bring coaches in that kind of want to go through my coaching rehab, but they're just inserted. 
Right. So even when, say, like Greg Smith leaves to go to be the head coach at, so like, you know, Lockley at Maryland, the next guy coming in, you're just, this is what, here you go. Right now, you now you add your little thing to it, but this is this is. But the, you got you're gonna stay in these parameters. This is the Bible will, here, yep. okay? Mm-hmm. And um, don't don't go way, you know, either way. Just stay within these parameters, and this is where you do it. And then it, that's the way he's able to win consistently. And one of the things I learned when I started reading up on Nick Saban, he runs his program as close as possible as an NFL program. He has analysts, consultants. Has a huge coaching staff, yeah. right? And he was in front on that. Like he in was before. A lot of people are a doing lot of that stuff now. Still do he was the, do one it. of the first ones to do that and but to really figure out how to maximize. All maximize of that, every know? single player, but the, there's people that do it now, but they don't. They they are still hesitant to do it like he's doing. Yeah, the people dip their toe in the water, but they don't do it. They might have one one analyst, one consultant. Nick Saban has four on each side of the right. uh, uh, each side of the ball a special teams analyst and a coach where everything you're not missing any minute detail right. and that's what makes them really really good their fundamentals are excellent their energy is excellent they're the, they're a very strong team um and and everything that they do is about football they have a ton of fun you see those guys they love playing mm-hmm. But they also are getting the, when you go there. Look, you're here to play football, get a great education, and so forth and so on. But we're going to get the when you leave Alabama, you're not going to be like, man, I wish I got they, they, my coach would have made me better at this, or I had an opportunity. Every person from you know player one to I think they got a hundred, you know, mm-hmm. as far as is getting the the same treatment and the same the the same standards. Even if you're not playing, even if you're this four star recruit. That's second or third on the depth chart. Yeah, you're going through practice with the same expectations as Patrick Sertain Jr. Right, right over or there, Devonta that, Smith, Smith or somebody. Yeah. yeah, because the other thing too that is is and it's not it's not magic. You just have to build it this way. That you mentioned. So that second or third string, four or five star recruit, and he's waiting his time, right? And I'm sure I've a look. They have a wide receiver that's waiting his time, right? right. And you'll see it next year after Devonta Smith leaves. But the reason why you don't see that guy like transfer out or like be disgruntled on social media or anything like that is because he saw Devonta Smith go through the same, same thing. thing. He saw the same thing where that guy was biding his time or didn't have he played early, but like he didn't have as big of a role no. as he maybe has now, especially right where he probably should win the Heisman but I've seen that guy go through it oh by the way we're winning national championships while sure. I'm waiting and then I know that they can use me like they used him and then that way it just keeps rolling and I think that that's something that it's hard to quantify and it's hard to really get your arms around it until you actually see, see it, it. Yeah. but they have that going and that's why they're able to I think they did it again have the number one recruiting class and then just keep having these guys come in and people will always say to me and I had it happen again this year like man how do they keep getting all of these guys if they know that they're going to maybe come in and sit on the bench maybe they get you know they, they get say there's 20 recruits five of them are five stars the rest are four stars how come those guys still go there right. well because they know that eventually they're gonna get their turn they're getting better and, and they're do, winning yeah and if you do what you're asked to do yeah and you're and obviously you got the talent it's gonna work it work itself yeah, out it will work you gotta yeah. think jerry judy just got drafted right just got drafted and he was unstoppable yeah you get what i'm saying Bad man right, right so then and let's not even think about it. you got waddell that got hurt right this year yeah and then you got smith and then so those so as they were going up and seeing jerry judy and all these other guys that were playing before them, it's it's also you got to look at it. They're, they have the mentoring all the way from Julio Jones on down, right? They, right? It's like a Alabama is slowly but surely becoming wide receiver. You and same with Ohio State, right? You know, I mean, yeah, it's not them. just your first round picks; it's your fourth round picks. It's it's the guys that go in and make teams and start to do things, even at the pro level. So what they're doing is they're taking what they're learning from the older guys and. From, from, say, like Julio Jones on down, and then they're giving it to these incoming freshmen. Like, look, man, wait your time. It's working out for me. This is how I did it. This is what we're doing inside the wide receiver room. Your time is coming. I'm going to the league next year. Here you go. And then also what they're able to do is that they're winning games by so much that these guys are actually still getting to play. That too. That's a good You know good what I'm point. saying? Yeah, so they yeah, might not be starting, yeah. but they're beating, you know, Tennessee 48-10. Okay, so the starters are out. Here you go. Now you're getting in time to get some real routes in. So you're not only getting your practice time, 
You're getting it doubled down on the playing time. So it all kind of works itself out. So they're building depth and stardom at the same time, and you're reloading and not rebuilding. And that's what they're able to do at Alabama, and they've done it for quite some time. Because conversely, uh, you look at LSU. They had all those receivers and all the offensive firepower mm-hmm. last year. They only Their receiver this year is good, but not a, they don't have a running back that's really good. Right. Brennan, their quarterback, is so-so. They lost Moss to tight end. Right. And those you had five NFL guys out there last year. Right. Right. And then you had Joe Burrow, who was the number one pick, who's legit. And so um, they're not able to, you know, rebuild and reload. Then you got to think is, okay, you know, okay, two is in the NFL, right? Right. Where where, where Mac Jones going? Oh, he's going to the league, too. And it's funny because that those guys need to be given a stipend to these wide receivers. I just pulled the photo because people were talking about Tua had a bad game yesterday, and they were like, this is where his it factor went. There's a photo from last year's Alabama team. Jerry Judy, Devonta Smith, Henry Ruggs III, and Jalen Waddle were his four receivers last right. year. Oh, yeah, like, probably crazy. Ruggs. You had two first-round <laughs> picks, right? And yeah. I'm sure Waddle, if he didn't get hurt this year, would yeah, be a first-round pick. First so round. I'm sure, let's say he's a second-round. He's a first-second first, round pick, right? So you have four first-round picks right there. Yeah. And one Heisman winner. Devontae I hope he wins it. I hope he wins it. He's, he, he wins he's been – and if he doesn't win it, then it just – I mean, first of all, Trash, Trask from Florida, he should get his, his invite rescinded, okay? <laughs> um, but Devontae Smith has been the most consistent and most dominant player from game one to, you know, the final game. Yes, and that's what you – and he's on the best team. Right, which and also he's won the AP helps. Player of the yeah. Year, and I think there's something like 75% of the time you win the AP Player of the Year, you win the highest. But I also try to think of, like, teams that don't need to have, like, that extra publicity that comes with winning that Heisman. Like, if, but if you think about it, like Alabama going from what they started off the dynasty with with Nick right. Saban and the, the powerful run game and all that, which they still have, right. um, to now be in this team that's wide receiver you that can put wide receivers in the first round of the league yeah. – and then when a Heisman at that, like to make that switch, like through the same but run, that's how you, but that's crazy. But that's how like you got to do it. You got to adjust. Look, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it starts and stops with their running game. They yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still right? begin. Yeah, it's it start, but so they haven't lost. They truly haven't lost their identity. And if you think about it, I know Sasha's here, and, and she's a Patriot fan. When the Patriots win the Super Bowl, they have a running attack. Yeah. And their offensive line is physical. When when their coach uh, Dante retired, and they tried to go pass happy, they brought him back out of retirement. Say, look, man, you got to get up, you got to <laughs> right. get up out of, out of out of Cape Cod here. We got right. we, we, we got to get back. We need, we need you, you for yeah. one more time. Come back. He retools the offensive line, and they take guys and they reestablish the line of scrimmage, and then they do it in a different way, right? So you, so Nick Saban and Bill Belichick are best friends, right? right. They're all the way back to Cleveland. They're both, you know, the the Croatian coaches. They they they're both Croatian and they whatever it is, they do it good. If I'm going to get a if I'm going to make it a football coach, he's, I got to find whoever's from Croatia. You're going to run my program, <laughs> like, right? Like are, are you from Croatia? Do you right. know them too? Right. Like we, right, we're doing ancestry.com. Do you got right. any Croatian in you? So what they do is they they kind of go back and forth off each other, but they're also they they are they're hard-edged, but they they have the ability to adapt and adjust, but then also stay within their same realms. And then you, we talked about Nick Saban and his coaching staff. We'll adapt and adjust, but this is where we're at. This is where we're going right. to start and stop. So we're going to still be able to line up and punch you in the mouth, but we're going to punch you in the mouth and then accentuate all these number one receivers that we got. <laughs> right. You got to think Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, Man, Jerry Judy, Ruggs, and I'm pretty sure I'm missing some. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they are. That's they, a run. That is a run. Receivers, yeah. And but the thing what is, what's as equal, but, but it's crazy. What's as equally impressive though? If you start to list out the running backs in a row, mm-hmm. like it's just right. as crazy, right? right. <laughs> and then also you got to think that uh, your boy uh, for the Saints, Kamara, yeah. transferred from Alabama to Tennessee. Transferred from Alabama to Tennessee. Right. Um, and, and so they still you, didn't give him the ball enough when he was at Tennessee. Gonna, right. Like, weird. He just <laughs> kind of he was like, like such a, a weird situation. Right, but it's. So it, it can be done. It's not easy. It's definitely hard. Um, but like I said, if you take more of a pro mentality, um, it does it, it does turn around really. It, it once you turn that corner, you kind of stay on that straight line because you don't have to deviate much. And so he's done it, and he's done it at the highest level. And obviously, he's probably the greatest college football coach of all time. 
I'm just going to leave that part right there. I mean, I mean, I think it's Coach Osborne, but I I'm mean, just no, I'm just at, saying I, I was going to no, leave I mean, that I think uncomfortable co- silence I, I mean, out like, there on, for man. you. Hey, I don't look, want you I, getting calls. No, no, I, mean, I ain't going to get no calls. I think it's Coach Osborne, <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, dude, he's winning national championships. Seems like left and right. Okay, I'm a, I'm a, I will leave it. I will say it's, this it's, about it, that. The only th- the only thing about saving versus Coach Osborne is I think it's harder to do what Saban is doing now, especially within like especially now as we transition to these rules that yeah. are in place to be it guys can leave um and you have so many more teams that are viable that recruits can go to even sure, though they don't yeah. and they go yeah, to yeah, Alabama yeah. anyway but like you know what I mean like it's just it's just different and that's it not is, to say totally that like what T.O. did was yeah. was easy like and it, and it was a, a different level of longevity with him as well right. um but I think they're one and two like right. whichever way you want to yeah I mean you're, you're, you're I mean it's in some ways, I think it's harder, but then in some ways, I think it's easier. Because if if we were playing right now and we were the team that like we were mm-hmm. in 94, 95, 97, and 96, and 93, and 92, mm-hmm. everybody and their mama going to be coming to Nebraska. So we would be doing the same thing. So I don't – Yeah, so it would have been different. Hard, yeah, I agree right? with that. And because yeah. we had the same structure, though. Yeah. That's why I don't think it would be – that's why I don't think it's that hard. What what I think is hard for a lot of guys. Here's what coaches' biggest problem. Here's what the coaches, a lot of coaches' biggest problems are, and I'm talking about throughout the whole nation, is they'll come in, and they'll take over a program, and then and 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 say a program has been winning a certain way. And this mm-hmm. is like in reference to say like Bill, particularly Bill Callahan. Mm-hmm. This is the way Nebraska's won. Well, let me just totally change it up instead of let me win the way we've been winning, and then slowly but surely start to win that we I'd like to win. Right. So they trying to force something it's a lot that, easier to change when you're winning right. than it is to go That's wholesale. It. Yeah. That's it. And Nick Saban knew the only way that Alabama could win um in that first and second year was establish a line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. recruit better from Alabama, and make Alabama, you know, the new the, the new it school. And that's by producing pro guys. And then now it's kind of just taken off and it's kind of turnkey. Yeah, it really is. Like, I'll be so curious to see when the next coach comes in if they can keep that going. He coached until he did. But I don't, yeah, I was like, I but I don't think he's going anywhere. No, he don't want to do nothing else. Yeah. He don't want to do nothing else. But I mean, why? If I'm him, like, I'm trying to think of what the end line would be. I just want to keep seeing, like, see how many national titles I can stack up. If I'm him, if I still have the energy that he looks like that he has, I'm I'm going to go try my hand one more time in the NFL. Okay. Because if the, if you look at his coaching resume, right, That's college is untouchable. Yep, right? and, he's, and he's 69 years old, yeah. by the way. Col- look at least. College is, un- is untouchable. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. There's there's no chink in his stuff. He's 158 and 23 in college. Right. right. And that's even coaching at Michigan State. Right. And that's with those years right. in. Yeah. I'm going back and seeing if I can do it one more time. The only thing that's going to stop him is because he doesn't want to mess up that legacy. Right. But if you want to be if you want to kind of be the, you know, the dude, if you want to leapfrog everybody, all right, I'm going to the pros, and I'm going to show you. But the biggest thing in the pros, now you got it's not winning as you got to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, which is just, and it's hard because pros is 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 harder because at times you got or at a lot of times you're going to have players making more than the coaches. Right, it's not likely he makes eight point six million now. Right. Players making there ain't nothing. no scholarship well, check making making allegedly that much. nothing. And then we're going yeah, so you're never going to have that. So it's just going to be. I, I would be I'd be interested if he ever has that itch. I still think that he wanted to go. He would have taken that Texas, Texas job, job a couple of years ago if he really had the appetite to do a, another rebuild. He already had it up and running at Alabama. It was just it was like why would I go to Texas with all of their politics and then figure out like how to get us to where I have this program now. I got to put myself through that through this grief right. just to get to where I already am. Right, like, but but then Texas would take that it's gives you a little bit different cachet. Here's the problem with Texas is they'll go hire another coach, right? Mm-hmm. You'll have the same result because internally they won't let you win. There's so much politics inside that program. Doesn't matter who comes in that Aaron coaches. Tom Herman's not a bad coach. No, he's not. The things no. that stop coaches from being successful at Texas are what's going on like you know, behind closed doors that has nothing to do with coaching. I mean, Texas is just, 
it, it's a, it's well, I guess the quote is like a, it's a sewage. It's sewage there, you know, as far as stuff that's going on. So, do I think Sark's the right guy? I don't necessarily know. I know he can recruit Texas, and I think that's one of the biggest. That will things. be an interest. He's going to have to. He well, has he to did. figure that he out. Yeah, he's, he's been the one plucking all these guys from Texas, yeah. and so I guess it's twofold. And I think with the offense. Um, you know, obviously is is made them more marketable, but and they'll have talent because they always have talent. It's whether yeah. or not you can coach them up. Like right. it, that'll it'll be interesting to see because it. I'm rooting for him in a way because you know you have people come back from oh, yeah. personal stuff. Like you always want to see people be able to bounce back. Second chance, you definitely want yeah. to do well. Um, but it's just going to be like all the other factors and whether or not you can actually get that right. So um, after the first loss to Oklahoma, how fast how fast does that clock start to get him up out of there? Oh, it already hits. At halftime, if they lose right. in the Oklahoma, it, it, it starts. Yeah. All right, now every week we end the show with my favorite segment uh, called Put Them on Blast, where we basically put somebody on blast for something they did or said. Put them on blast. I am skipping me this time because we didn't already put Dabo Sweeney on blast. That's who I was going to do. Oh, okay. Um because Dabo ranking um, Ohio State 11 um, and then caught all the slander over social media over the weekend and then said he wouldn't have changed a thing. Um, come on, man. Like, we, right. we can't be out here doing that. So I, I went with Dabo already, and we talked about that at length. So, Jay, who do, who you got this I'm week? putting Doug Peterson on blast. And, and <laughs> I had a feeling you were going And the way. Philadelphia Eagles. As uh, <laughs> I will say this, it's been a great uh, – accomplishment by the NFL to get all, you know, 256 games accomplished. Yeah, well, you know what I mean? I mean, they looked dicey yeah. and they, yeah. and they pushed right through it. I think they've, they've, um, you know, they've given you like the cliff notes version of how to run a huge organization. Here you go. NCAA and push through it and, and be and adjust too as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, games Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, right. right? No, and, uh, and, and that have, one day that they were playing at lunchtime, and lunchtime. Which I text you, and I was like, uh, they playing a game right now. Right, but, hey, look, <laughs> right. you got to get it done. But for the Philadelphia Eagles and their brass and Doug Peterson, who was on the hot seat, and I will say this, for him to make that move to pull Hurts, mm-hmm. let me know that he's coming back next year. Because he doesn't make that yeah, move. Yeah, you, you can't do that without knowing you're coming right? back. Yeah. Uh, I'm putting him on blast because, you know, you got – 53 guys that are going out there and trying to win, and you got guys that might end up retiring that might not be on the team next year. Mm-hmm. You're, t- you're dealing with people's livelihoods and their careers, and you're going to throw a guy out there and a chance to beat your rival in the, in the Washington football team and stop mm-hmm. them from going to the playoffs and essentially give up because you're going to get the number six and pick in the draft. Ideally, that's great if you're getting the one or two pick, right? Yeah, I would – I can at least listen to you on that. But but (laughs) who are you going to pick at number six that you think that's going to turn around your whole organization that's going to stop you from giving up big plays on defense, that you can't stop the run at the second level, that you aren't really set on a quarterback, you don't have a number one running back, you got numerous injuries on the offensive line. So you think the number six pick, you think doing that from going, if you won that game, they would have probably had the eight pick. Who are you picking at number six that you know that you're going to guarantee five months from now that you're going to be able to pick at number six that's going to come in and turn around your organization just to get the sixth pick? And it's always a, it's a little bit of a crapshoot at that point in the draft anyway, well, in general. But right. at that point, too, um, because you can at six, you can get a, a Hall of Fame player, right? right? right. Or you can you get can a guy get, that's out of the league in three years. Oh, like, yeah. so I mean, you can get, you can get, uh, you know, you can get Patrick Mahomes or Dwayne Haskins. Right. At six, anywhere from there. You never know what you're getting until you get them. And so, you know, to essentially be the last game, game 256, that where if, if the NFL could ever write a script, obviously you don't want the NFC East to where you got one team 4-11-1 or whatever, you know, 7-9 and nine and, you know, 6-10 right. and 10 or whatever to going for the, the title. But if you could write the script that, you know, if you said, hey, Roger Goodell, if you could have, you know, if we have Philly against the Washington football team for all the marbles, on Sunday night football, right. the last game through a pandemic, he'd be like, bet, I want that. Right. And then to be a competitive game and somewhat exciting game, even though Jalen Hurst didn't really play that well, he was 7-10 to 10 for 70-something yards, two rushing TDs. And then all of a sudden when the game is a one-score game, he say, hey, dude, 
I'm going to put you in the game, and you ain't played in three years. Yeah. So and, and then get in there and say, oh, well, I was trying to win because Darius Slay was playing and Graham was playing and all these guys that had to play, right? right. But then on the injury report, you had a whole bunch of fake injuries and other guys that didn't, you know, the, you know like the Fletcher Cox and those guys yeah. didn't play, right? Because that's why you saw McGill, who essentially right. lost the game, jumping off sides. All those guys were playing. But then you're trying to tell me you're trying to win. And let me tell you something. NFL players know if organization and coaches are trying to win. You can't you can't sell that to anybody. Right. It's that's gonna be that's where it's gonna because be. Because this guy hadn't really played in three years. Nobody deserves to play in the NFL. You are earn you earn your right to play. Right. Jalen Hurts earned the right to start and to finish that game. Right. You get what I'm saying? Because if you really were trying to win, you get Carson Wentz say, you're the backup quarterback. I'm trying to win. Get in there and win the game if you want your job. Right. The, and, and, and you could have sold that, and people would have been able to okay. go on board with that. It might not have worked. You did it. But you Chicago, could have at least Chicago do Bears it. did it. Yeah. And they're in the playoffs. We back. Right. Mitchell Trubisky, right? Oh, no, no. No, seriously. But, but that, 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 it's done. It's been done. Yeah. They could have very easily, Nagy and them could have very cashed in, all right, I'm going to get fired or whatever. Yeah. Oh no! We got look. If you want a job, I want a job. We're going to the playoffs. I know. I do this, agree. I do. I I give the Bears um, coaches and brass credit for that. They did decide. Okay, we're gonna go down swinging. If we're going down, right. we're going down. But we are going to actually make an attempt, and they got rewarded right. uh, by end up making the playoffs. So right. I do, I give you. And that. the Philadelphia Eagles didn't go down. And look, if you think about the Philadelphia city, they're supposed to be tough, rocky, never give up. You know, always exceeding expectations because they kind of, you know, the Philly tough. Yeah. You went out like a chump, man. I mean, that's it was a bad look for Philadelphia coach Coach Peterson, um, the organization in the NFL. Now, look, I understand this. If I'm the head coach and the, and, and the owner comes in and say, "Listen here, man, this is what you need to do in order to come back next year," I'm going to do it every single time. I'm going to find a different way to tell it, say that I'm not trying to win. Yeah, I better win. have a real airtight excuse for excuse. how I'm going to go about this tank. Because I'm like telling Jalen Hurts, because Jalen Hurts was seeing mouth like, I don't know why. Right. Because that mean, that lets me know that you went to Sudfield to say that he was going to play and you didn't go to Jalen Hurts. Right. It's going to be an interesting offseason of Philly in that quarterback room. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that's so going to all on blast. Yes, they are. But that's going to do it for us this week. Subscribe to the podcast everywhere you listen to them. Rate us and leave us a five-star review. If you leave four, I am inclined to think you're a hater and nobody wants that. Uh, make sure that you're checking out the other podcasts on the Hill Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own Podcast, Varsity Club, more to it, and the Hill Varsity Radio Show. Uh, we do have an email. You can email us at straightupbreakdown at hailvarsity.com, and you can find us on Twitter at Greg Smith HV and at Foreman5644. We will catch you next time. A Media Production.